Welcome to the Property Now podcast, where we talk all things property, investment, and new homes with your host, Matt Elol. The barbecue, the barbecue advice. Yeah. The, your second cousins, uncles, sister. Correct. They're all experts. <laughs> They're all experts. Oh, I wouldn't buy there because it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah, a little bit far from the train station. Everyone's an expert. <laughs> if you want to learn more about what's happening in the market and how to benefit from property investment, then go no further. We dig deep as to why our sector is a key to building financial security and safety for your family. Never before has it been more important to understand the playing field than now. It can be hard to time the market. If you, if you really get too particular with trying to time something that's operating at Correct. such a big level, you, you're probably gonna you're probably gonna struggle to do that. So let's get on with the show. Happy listening, and we'll see you on the other side. Welcome to the Property Now podcast. We are going again. This is our second attempt at this podcast, isn't it, Bob? We, it is. <laughs> we had some technical issues with the first attempt. But the technical gear looks pretty impressive now, Matt, so it's good. Yeah, I feel like we're in a Channel 7 TV studio or something. It's pretty cool. I'm glad you're impressed, mate. I'm not very impressed. <laughs> it's with great honour that I welcome now business partner, actually, which is exciting for me. I don't know how exciting it is for Bob, but you're Bob Hand, the Executive Director of Latitude Real Estate with 100 years of experience in the industry. Obviously a very successful career, mate, and it's great to have you on board. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. And thanks, uh, lovely to have you on board as well. So it's terrific. It'll <laughs> work well. So why don't you start with telling us a little bit about yourself, who is Bob Hand and what's your background, mate? Yeah, well, I'm a bit of an ageing dinosaur these days, but I uh, started out as a carpenter, left school when I was 15 and yeah. did a carpentry apprenticeship, but I wasn't very good at that. So yeah. uh, by the age of about 22, 23, I got into selling land and new homes, which was a great career, actually. It was a good career choice for me. I worked for, started working for a company called Oliver Hume. And some years in, I bought a little bit of the company and a few years later, myself and another chap, we bought the, the company and ran it for a number of years. I was there for 20 years, sold out Oliver Hume back in 2002 and was a founding director of Villawood Properties doing residential land subdivisions. So that was an interesting period of my life as well. It was very exciting. I stood down from there probably four years in and uh, started another development business with another group. And over the last 11 years, Refounded a business with my son doing residential land and uh, new home sales. So it's been an interesting career. So, what's it like to be in business with your son? Pretty special, really. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't think of a better person to be in business with. I enjoy his company and he drives me these days because I am slowing down a little bit. So it's good. It's a pretty funny combo. It's, I mean, obviously, a lot of people listening wouldn't have met you two, but uh, seeing you two work together is actually quite humorous. It's a tongue-in-cheek relationship. It's clearly a quality relationship, but you guys have a bit of fun with what you do. Yeah, we have a lot of fun. And I think the thing is, is like I'm left behind with all the technology. And, you know, in my day, we used to sell properties through using newspapers. And obviously, that's a thing of the past. I just find it amusing when we sit in the sales meetings now and they tell me how many sales I've made from Facebook. And I think, <laughs> how does that happen? Like, I don't understand it. So, yeah. Do you like today's world in property more or do you like the old school ways of selling through papers? And- no, I think it's always comfortable where you grew up in the industry and yeah. you feel comfortable with the space that you knew best. It's a foreign world now. And that's why, you know, I've got people like Matt around me and then I've got James and our other partner and our businesses is George, you know, fantastic young people, dynamic, and they understand this space and that's why the company's going places. Yeah. And I mean, this episode is, is really, well, it's about you and it's about uh, property. But, you know, I love business and going into partnership with you guys, it was, for me, it was very much about the quality of the people involved as well. 
because you can be successful and wealthy and all of those kind of things. But if you're doing it with people you don't enjoy doing it with, it's, yeah, it's a waste. And I think we're all down to earth, honest, normal people, maker. And business is not difficult, but you need to apply yourself to the changing world. And that's probably the thing I have most trouble coming to grips with. Mm. I know the space really well and I understand the industry very well, but yeah, the new digital world is mm-hmm. something really different. What's your favourite part of business in general? A bit of a general question off the top of um, I think finding new business and finding new ways to do things, exciting new ways to do things. You know, a few of the things we're working with Matt in his businesses are very much that. I think we've come to the era where education's important. And, you know, most people come to most of our offices over many years have just wanted information that hasn't been delivered to them well. Yeah. People at Coalface have been so damn busy trying to make a sale that they forgot about what do these people need to know to make that decision. Yeah. Yeah, education and value, I think, is so important. Yeah. I mean, the money will come if you add value to people's experience. Absolutely. And you educate them in a safe environment. I mean, hence what we're trying to do here is really guide people down a path, you know, in a safe and comfortable environment. Yeah, yeah. and then explain the ins and outs. Give it to them the way it is, not the way the salesman wants to portray it. So I want to keep these podcast episodes reasonably short. I mean, obviously, I think we can talk about all sorts of stuff, yeah. but let's talk about what you're seeing in the industry. You know, advice you have for young people. We've also got a really great book here that you should be able to see, Guide to Investing in Property by Bob. It's a really great read. I've read it two or three times already. So I'd love to talk about that a little bit. And I might actually put you on the spot and ask you for some of your favourite quotes because I've realised pretty quickly that you're a quote man. You like your Yeah, quotes. I like the quotes. <laughs> I like the quotes. Like, uh, you know, the, I suppose the favourite one I've had over the years, if it is to be, it's up to me. I mean, most people procrastinate about decisions in life. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest ones is in property. I mean, people procrastinate too long. You know, they're going to wait for the market to drop a little. Or there's always a reason why they don't act. One of the biggest reasons they don't act is because they're going to talk to their friends and relatives and they're probably not motivated to be in property or they're scared of property. So they don't do it. So they just follow suit. But if it is to be, it's up to me. I love that one. The barbecue advice, your second cousins, uncles, sister. Correct. They're all experts. <laughs> they're all experts. Oh, I wouldn't buy there because it's a little bit far from the train station. Everyone's an expert. (laughs) Everyone's an expert. Yeah, so my favourite quote is, success is a progressive realisation of a worthy ideal. Have you heard that one? No, I heard it. Earl Nightingale. Yeah, so success is what you make of it, as long as you're progressively stepping towards it. Yeah, the other one is the best time to buy land is last month, not this month. Yeah, it's always yesterday, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. the worst time to buy is next month. (laughs) Absolutely. The best investment, I've taken away from you now, but yeah. the best investment on earth is earth. Absolutely. You told me that one. That's another one. That was yeah. a cracker. You know, I'd love to get your feedback. This is obviously a property podcast. I'd love to get your feedback on what you're seeing at the moment. You're really at the coalface being a land expert, a latitude real estate. Maybe give us a quick intro to latitude real estate because I think okay. that's important in the context of yeah, this discussion. Well, latitude was established back 11 years ago to sell residential land on major residential land projects and to be fairly boutique in it, not to be the biggest, to do it well. We don't want to be marketing every project in Melbourne. We want a handful of select project of quality projects. And so land is the key to it, but we also do a lot of medium density housing sales as well. And we're happy in that space. It's the space we're comfortable in and we'll continue to do it for many years. And my son will, I'm sure, keep going long after I'm gone. But yeah, so I think that's the space we're in. What are we seeing out there at the moment? We're seeing people coming into our offices very confused. They're getting a lot of feedback in the press regarding interest rates and lots of negative talk in the, in the newspapers at the moment or in the press. And do I agree with it? Probably yes, to some extent. 
However, everyone needs a house to live in, and we're currently experiencing a massive shortage of housing across the country. So something has to be done to fix this. So, um, you know, I drove down a street probably two or three Saturdays ago, and I saw a queue. It must have gone for 50 or 60 metres. I was wondering what it was. I thought there must have been some event on, and it was just a house for rent. It was open for inspection. And with this sort of demand, what we're going to see is rents will continue to increase. I think, Matt, you told me, I think it's gone up 13% in the last 12 months. Yeah, I'm a stats man. I love stats. And some of the things that relate to what you're saying, firstly, that dwelling approvals are down 17% year on year, which is the largest indicator of a shortage arriving or being here already that you could ever get. Rental vacancies are about 0.9%. So a vacancy rate under 1% is unheard of. Yeah. The other one, which is, yeah, is rental increases. So, yeah, you're right, 13.2% yeah. in the last 12 months. That's a dramatic increase. So that hence the issue of whether we should be buying today or not. And my view is we should. You know, people say, oh, well, interest rates will keep going up and house price will get cheaper. Not necessarily. While there's that level of demand for housing, we're not going to see a drastic downturn. Some of the inner city suburbs maybe. But if we look out on the fringe where the best place is to buy new homes for investment, we'll go into that on another podcast, I'm sure, these areas are starved of stock. The state government hasn't kept up with rezoning land on the fringe of Melbourne. So therefore, there is massive demand still, but a shortage of supply. And anywhere where there's a shortage of supply of any products, you're going to see increases. I don't think increases will be dramatic, and I think prices will stabilise for some time. But, you know, the main buyers, during COVID, the main buyers were first home buyers and there was a little bit of second home buyer activity, but that's going to slow down because first home buyers, the affordability issues are certainly a big issue. But for the investors, the smart investors are already coming back into play because whilst you're getting rising interest rates, you've got rising rents as well to offset some of that. So I think we'll see that the investors will be a strong player in the market the next 12 or 18 months. Mm. Yeah, we actually produced a video recently you've seen yeah. for a company called Bifair that we can talk about. But one of the things that we talk about in that video is the percentage of home ownership dropping. Yeah. So that to me tells me that buying properties is, well, I hope that it doesn't become something that's impossible. Yeah. I mean, the government will always support it, but it shows me that the people who do own property are the ones to stand to benefit from that. Absolutely. We'll continue to see this. I mean, There'll be more and more people now that will become lifelong renters, unfortunately. And I still think one of the issues here is people don't buy because they don't have the money for what they want, as opposed to buying what they can afford. And I'll go right back now, like back in the 80s when I started selling homes. You know, your typical first home buy probably a 120 square meter home with a single carport, in most instances, a one bathroom. On a quarter acre. On a quarter <laughs> acre, yeah, it's true. It was on uh, 700, 750 square metres. Yeah. And mind you, they were very expensive. You'd yeah. pay anything up around $39,000 for the house <laughs> and package. But the reality is today, what we see is first-time buyers come in, they want four bedrooms and a study, they want two bathrooms, and they have to have a double garage, and it just goes on and on. So what they're trying to do is they just can't afford it, and they won't opt out of that to buy what they can afford. And the sad thing is, is most of those people will always be locked out of the market and they'll continue to rent for the rest of their life. Yeah, instant gratification seems to be a really big thing. I'm at an interesting age. I'm nearly 40, so I'm sort of still part old school, but not totally old school. And I'm sort of part new school, but totally not new school. Like, you know, I've had to fight with that, but I've grown up from the place of work hard for what you get and sacrifice. To buy my first home, I remember having to save for 
12 months or whatever it was. And that 12 months actually really sucked. Yeah. I didn't enjoy it. And I, at times I wanted to go, ah, stuff and I'm going shopping, but you know, I didn't. And it got me started. And it was actually exactly what you just pledged was buying something that I didn't really want to live in. Yeah. It was on the fringe of Perth, 40 Ks from the city, you know, sometimes a two hour drive with traffic at Perth. And, uh, but it got me started and it set me up. Yeah. Like in my first house I bought was, $11,000, $11,000, I think, and it was a two-story townhouse with two bedrooms, one bathroom, single garage, you know. But it got me started and I was in the market and, you know, most people my age at the time were doing the same thing. Everyone I knew was buying a house. But today, most people of that age, 21s, 22s, are renting and saving for homes that they're probably never going to get, which is really tragic, actually. But the reality is that, once again, whilst they're not buying... They need to rent somewhere. So somebody has to provide these people with housing. Well, you're chasing your tail as well because it's like if you look at average prices in good areas, they're going up at 5 to 10% a year. They're going up faster than people can save money. Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. So, you know, another thing you add to that is migration slowed during COVID. Migration is stepping up again. So we're going to see a lot of people arriving from overseas and wanting to shift to Melbourne as they did prior to COVID. So that's going to create more demand for housing. 600,000 a year is the forecast. That's a lot of people. And, and you know, 400 to move. Yeah. So, as in, so net international migrations forecast of 200,000 people a year. Yeah. And probably when we peaked out before COVID, there was about 120,000 of those coming to Melbourne. So, and what we see, mind you, 120,000 people don't jump off a plane and run out and buy a house tomorrow either. They go and rent for a little while, establish where they want to be, they get a job, and they'll be in the market within two to three years. So, there's this growing demand. You've got the first time buyer who now can't afford to buy, you've got migration gearing up again. And then on top of that, you've got a shortage of residential land on each of the corridors throughout Melbourne. So where the market's heading, you know, I don't think it's time to sit on your hands and waiting for something. Yeah, I mean, if you look at historical data, it's it's very consistent in the respect that it goes up and drops off and then up and then drops Correct. off. But the up, upside's always better than the downside. Usually, I think in the 80s, for maybe 10 years, it stayed stagnant. But it's a consistent flow. So you need to be in there yeah. somewhere. You have to be in the race. You've got to be in the race. And, you know, we're talking about more investment property today, but if you're investing, you're buying product never to sell. You're buying a house to put tenants in to keep forever. So whether the market fluctuates marginally over those years, it doesn't really matter. I challenge you a little bit there in respect to selling. When you hit maturity and you want to live your life and retire and those things, selling down some you assets could. to liquid you could, you could, and some do. I mean, you know, they might end up gearing up and having 10 or 15 homes by retirement and feel that if they sold down three of them, they could relinquish all debt and live very comfortably for the rest of their life. And that's great. Most people do that. But my theory on selling prior to that is that if you sell, you're going to pay tax, you're going to pay agents' fees and the whole, you know, what for? Well, you're giving money away. It's expensive. It's very expensive to change. It really chews into your margin. It certainly does, yeah, yeah, in a big, big way. So, you know, so many people are tempted. I mean, they bought a house for 400, it's gone to 500. It'd be nice to take that 50 or $100,000 out. But the reality is, after tax expenses, you might have 40. Yeah. So, why? Just leave it in there. You're getting a return on that $100,000. And it's actually more liquid than people would think. And what I mean by that, is that you can actually withdraw funds from the equity that you have in a property quite easily. Correct. If you want to go on a holiday, it's like some people might go, oh, we'll sell that house over holiday for six yep. months. So, well, you might be able to just get a line of credit anyway Correct. for 20 grand or depends on where you're at. But 
Don't go and just get a line of credit. But. Yeah, <laughs> bank interest rates, like you know, mortgage interest rates. You can go and draw down against one of your mortgages, and it's very cheap money to use if you wanted to do that, as opposed to selling. So yeah, I mean, it's a long term game. This earlier in life you can get started, mm. the stronger you're going to be later on in life. Just I know we're sort of bouncing around a little bit, but I think it's all really valuable, and I want to highlight it. Supply and demand. So what's happening in the rental space at the moment? is what you're talking about from a shortage standpoint. Yeah. So can you see, obviously, that playing a big factor in the performance of property moving forward? Absolutely, no doubt. I mean, it has yeah. to. You know, if you've got a shortage, rents are going up, there'll be more investors coming to marketplace and at some point it will stable out. But then it becomes important as to where to choose to invest. Mm. You know, like I bought a few investment properties recently. Um, I picked a couple of suburbs. One was out near Bacchus Marsh. And, you know, I went to realestate.com, simple as that. Had a look how many rental properties were in the market at that point in time. At that point in time, when I bought, there were 13 homes for rent in the area, and which number were new? Now, of course, you know, if you've got a brand new home, people are going to want to rent that before they rent an established home. Absolutely. So, you know, then I picked Lara in the same situation. There were very few properties for rent, and especially new in Lara at the time, and I picked up three or four there. So, you know, it's just a matter of selection. You've got to be careful where you buy, but, you know, hopefully that's where we can assist in some way. Yeah, well, I think that's probably a good segue into buy fair, and I think we should talk about it. You know, obviously helping people get into investments. I yep. think we've actually just conducted a research activity recently interviewing a lot of people, and the number one thing that came through loud and clear was that we just don't know where to start. We don't know what to look for. You know, we want to make money, but we don't know how to do it. Correct. So buy fair Property Group has been created to help people yep. go down that path. Do you want to tell us a little bit yeah, more look, about that? Look, we brought Matt in as a partner with us in Byfair because his background enables us, I think, to give us a great position to grow the business. You know, Byfair was created. I spent a lot of time out on the projects on the weekends and talked to a lot of investors. And the thing that became very clear to me is probably 60 to 70% of the clients coming through our offices over the last few years have been investors, but they had no knowledge how to invest. So um, I thought, oh, you know, where do people go to get information? And I went to the local bookshop and bought a few books on investing in property. And they were so complicated. Like they have pages of massive books. Analytical type books. And it was Eight million it was, numbers. It was all bullshit. This is such a complicated process. No wonder people are confused. So that's when I sat down. I thought, like, girl, I'm a pretty simple bloke. I was cool. I was 15. <laughs> so I thought what we need is a simple book that I would understand that you could read in 40 minutes and it would give you the basic understanding of how it works. So what we then did is we took it a step further and thought, well, how else could we educate people? So at the moment, we've got our first investment education centre being built in Lara, which Matt is driving, and it will be a centre where people can go, a very touchy-feely, science-works type approach where people can walk through the home and hopefully, if we get this right, by the time they come out the other end, they will have a very good, strong understanding of how to invest in housing. So have we got it right? I'm not quite sure, but I think we're on the right track and I'm sure we'll be fine-tuning over the years. But the thing we do know is we know that how to put the right housing together, know how to find the right blocks of land for people. Because selecting the house is important, as you know, Matt, mate. You know, most people get emotionally involved. There's no emotion in buying an investment home. You'll pay too much, your returns won't be high enough. So you only need certain elements, but you also need elements that will last time. Yeah, it's not about the colour of the carpet, it's about the numbers. And Correct. that's something that I do a lot of people making a mistake of. They, yeah. they don't reverse engineer it. 
you know, they buy a property because it's close to home. You know, it looks okay. You know, it's in a suburb that they know. Yeah. They buy it, you know, they find a tenant for it and then they go to the accountant the, a year later and go, oh, hey, is it making money? You know, how are the numbers? Yeah. Whereas our approach will be the total opposite to that. Yep. It will be very numbers focused. Yeah. Where's your financial position currently for starters? Where are you actually at? Yeah. Where is it that you want to go? And how do we help get you there in the quickest way yep. possible? And what the long-term goal is. You know, people say to me, like, well, how many homes do I need? Like, you know, you know, where do I need to be before I retire? And what I think the best way to do that is say, okay, what would you be comfortable retiring on? What are you earning now? Like you're earning 50000 or 100000 What do you want? And could you live on that in retirement? And then you can work it back from there. On today's basis, how many homes would I need to live on that income? And it's quite a simple program, but obviously if you work that on today's basis with appreciation and rental increase, you're going to find you're going to be very comfortable when you retire. I mean, this investor centre is going to have activities in the actual house. It's a display home, but it's being presented as a, an investor centre, which I'm pumped about. I just yeah, think it's, it's pretty such a good idea. It was, wasn't my idea, but I've come in and embraced it 100%. It's, it's very exciting. But um, Matt, there's nowhere like it. To my <laughs> knowledge, it's never been done before because usually you go to a display home and all they want to do is sell you a house and it's all about the house. We have a house there. That is an example of what might work as an investment home, but it's purely about the education, mm. actually teaching people and let them interact with different devices to show them what will happen under certain circumstances if they start to invest. And selling, of course, how the buy fair program will work because the buy fair program is a long-term program. It's not about selling you a house, thanking you very much for the purchase, but it's a matter of staying with you and working with you to establish those goals for you. Yeah. Like I said, I think we've got the formula right and I think it'll be very well received in the marketplace. Yeah, I do too. And I think being, I'd like to think that we're good people and it's just everyday people with a fair bit of experience helping you through that journey. Yeah. And it really is a never-ending story because, and this is what I'm going to start trying to explain and get across to people, is like, okay, you're a first-time investor. Yeah. Great, let's get your first-time investment and let's set you up from that. But then you become a second-time investor. Yeah. Okay, what's the best property to go for as your second time investment? Yeah. Because there's different approaches to investing in property. It's not just one approach. And circumstances change. I, yeah. You know, today I'd definitely be saying invest in Melbourne, but at certain times we might be looking into states somewhere. I mean, Queensland, obviously, if you'd bought in Queensland over the last two years, you would have done very well. A lot of people spruiking Queensland again. I'm not so sure about Queensland at the moment, Southeast Queensland. It seems to be a market that's either up or down or it doesn't have the population growth and the employment that Sydney and Melbourne do. So it's an interesting market, uh, the Queensland market. We will provide advice at the appropriate time as to where you're best to be. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really big help for people. So, yeah. So and, look, and we'll be out looking for opportunities as well. I mean, we might find opportunities in, in any investment space in the future that we think, okay, yeah, this is a good one. We'd get on this ourselves. Let's recommend this to the people on our, in our system. What we're planning to do also is give people probably an annual assessment of where they sit. We don't want people running out and buying their second or third until they're really ready for it. I mean, you've got to be in a position to move forward and you've got to be very comfortable with your cash flow. Don't push yourself beyond that point and hopefully we'll help you with that. We're actually working on some pretty cool technology too with assessing properties. So actually presenting a property to someone that's using artificial intelligence to match with that purchaser. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it's going to take a bit of time and yeah. a bit of work, but yeah. we're hoping that that will be available at some time, probably early next year, I would say. Watch this space. Yeah. So, <laughs> but the other area I think is important is you know, a lot of people 
live in the suburbs and they think the best place to invest is down the road from themselves. And from an ego point of view, it's probably always nice to be able to walk past and think, well, I own that house and I own the one across there as well. But the reality is, is established housing is not a good option because one, they come with maintenance issues, but more importantly, they don't have the tax benefits that a brand new home has. Mm, statute exemptions as well. Yeah. You're generally getting in behind the eight ball a little bit yeah. and you chase your tail a little bit more. Whereas if you can target a new up and coming area that's getting close towards infill in the coming yeah. years and you get access to those tax benefits, you're going to create your own economy almost. Correct. Yeah. Which is, you know, how I approach it for first time investors. Yeah. Yeah. And the advantage pack, mate. So talking about buy fair. So I think this was your concept. The yeah, so pack. Got, what we see as buy fair is in due course, it will become more of a buy fair club. It's got to come with some benefits and the sort of benefits we're talking is like one of the things that I find when people build a new tenant tend to neglect the gardens. So I felt it was important that we maintain mm-hmm. the front gardens for people. So you know, one of the benefits is, is we'll maintain that front garden for people for the first 12 months. Maintenance and gardening is very important to me. It certainly tells a story about an area, about a property. We'll also look after the rentals for them for the first year at no cost. I mean, I want people to be able to break into this funding there and paying their new home with as little expense as possible in that first 12 months. Yeah. What we're trying to do is take a lot of that hurt out in that first 12 months and pick up a lot of those payments they would pay in that first 12 months. So. What other benefits are there, Matt? We've got the insurance. We're paying their mortgage yeah, insurance. Yeah, building, oh, building insurance. The mortgage insurance would be a good one. Mortgage insurance. That's kind of an expensive one. We're not paying mortgage insurance. But we're paying for the landlord insurance. So, yeah, that's a, landlord insurance is very, very important. And I thought that if we start paying, we pay the first year, they get into the habit of having that. And they yeah. can understand the benefits of having that yeah. as well. And that's if tenant comes in and does do any damage. You know, you're covered. Yeah. If they end up not paying the rent, you're covered. There's a number of advantage which we would walk through all those points with you. Yeah, depreciation um, schedule. It's essentially everything to get started. I mean, obviously, you've got to source your finance, which we'll help you with yeah. as well. We'll help you find the right accountant, those yeah. kind of things too. But yeah, it's a great head start. <coughs> I mean, my approach to the advantage pack is, has always been since learning it yeah. is that it's a nice supplement. The property investment strategy is always the most important part. Yeah. But the advantage pack, that's what it is. It's an advantage. And no one's obliged they have to do these things with us. You don't need to rent your house through us. You don't need to use people we recommend with the mortgage. You know, I always recommend people go and talk to their own bank first because you've already got a relationship. They know the history. But then maybe shop it after that. And we can help you with that bit of it just to make sure you're getting the right deal with the bank. With the property management, if you know the local property manager in the area, that's fine. We don't have a problem with you dealing with not saying you have to deal with us. But what we're trying to do is control it to the point we're looking after your asset because the quicker you build that asset, the quicker you're in a position. Thanks for listening to the Property Now podcast with Matt Elo. We hope you learned something valuable and enjoyed the show. Should you wish to reach out to us, you can do so by calling 1300 289 324 or you're welcome to email Matt at hello at buyfairproperty.com.au and he'll be more than happy to help however he can. Have a great day.